1: yak gadget for all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs go to yakgadget.com. eastport marina on the beautiful shores of dale hollow lake for all your lodging kayaking and fishing needs go to
2: eastport.info
1: now let's get this show started
2: welcome back to best fishing for noobs here on the paddle and fin podcast i am your host sean lavery like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Noob Show tonight. Uh, before we get started, just a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, I wanted to mention that uh, the Noobs Tournament is back up and running. Uh, we have a shortened version for May. Uh, if you missed out on signing up for the May version, the June uh, tournament is also still out on Tourney X. So if you want to get in on that, you can definitely sign up uh, for June. I wanted to thank the uh, people, the 12 people that signed up for the Noobs uh, for the May tournament. And uh, I'm looking at the standings here on my phone and I can see quite a few people have already been out hitting the water and uh, uh, John Fella has 81 inches already, uh, which is a good start for May. So um, congrats to those guys who are out fishing already. Um, I see a bunch of buddies in there as well. And for those of you who uh, are still kind of waiting to get your first fish on the board, keep at it. Uh, Definitely uh, lots of fish to be caught out there. Just be patient. Uh, do what you know, what you're comfortable with, and you'll start putting fish on the board. So, uh, again, that's out on uh, tourneyx.com if you want to sign up uh, for the June event. Um, and we'll keep having these uh, into the fall, uh, like we mentioned on the last show. If you happen to, to miss that, you can definitely check it out to hear all the rules and kind of the stuff that uh, goes into uh, fishing one of the new tournaments. So, if you're interested in that, definitely check out last week's show and then hop on tourneyx and sign up. All right. That being said, I'd like to uh, take a moment to introduce tonight's guest. I've known him for a couple years now. Uh, he runs an outfitter, or, uh, an outfitter shop that's really close to me. He's where uh, I've gotten uh, some of my kayaks from and uh, a bunch of things, including my hat. They have lots of cool things there. So uh, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome Mr. Devin Winwin to the news show. Welcome to doing? the news show. Good.
3: How are hey. you, man? Good, good. Uh, how's this business? It's been crazy yeah the past two <laughs> years have been uh, have been an adventure for sure uh you know has its ups and downs um you know lots of demand which is great people wanting to get out there and and you know start kayaking maybe upgrade equipment which is is good um you know industry's having a little bit of trouble keeping up with it um you know and shortages of materials and you know the stuff that's hitting us and all the rest of our life is also hitting us in kayaks as well so um but yeah it's it's good it's it's been an adventure <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
2: Cool. Well, we can talk about that a little bit, but uh, first, before uh, we get too far, I wanted to give you a chance to introduce introduce yourself to the folks who uh, haven't known you. I know um, quite a few of the people. Uh, my friends around here definitely know you because a lot of people I know uh, frequent Shanksmare quite frequently. But uh, for those of them, uh, the listeners who don't know you, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Where sure, you're from?
3: Sure. Sh- sure. Yeah. Um, so Shanksmare Outfitters is my family business. Uh, my parents opened the shop in 1978. Um, so we're, you know, well over 40 years at this point, uh, I've been in, you know, I always joke with people. I've been there, uh, my whole life, literally. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I was, I was born into it and, and, uh, you know, but I've worked there full time, you know, I worked there through high school, you know, certainly through college on and off. Um, and then, uh, have been back at the store full time for boy, uh, 15, 16 years, you know, something like that. Um, you know, been kayaking on the water my entire life. You know, not only is, is Shanks Mare right on the Susquehanna River, but I also grew up right on the Susquehanna River as well. Um, we actually lived on the river before we moved the store down there. Um, so, I, you know, I've been I've been on the river literally my entire life, including the Chesapeake, grew up down there boating, you know, a lot as well. So um, the, the Susquehanna is near and dear to my heart, for sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: And you guys do a lot of stuff too, uh, besides the outfitting and everything. I know you're active in a lot of uh, local groups. Like I know the uh, Susquehanna River Keepers do a lot of events there. The Heroes on the Water does a lot of events yep. there. So there's all sorts of outreach that you guys do as well, which is really really cool.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're we're very much you know community oriented as a business and as individuals. And and you know, like I said, Susquehanna is near and dear to my heart. So. Uh, Lower Susquehanna Riverkeeper is a is a big one that we do a lot of work for, and uh, I am a veteran as well, so you know Heroes on the Water is is also a good one. Um, you know, been coordinating with them for a number of years now. Um, so yeah, you know, we like to like to give back and give back to the things that that are important to us. So,
2: and I know uh, one of the first times I met you was when I took uh, Shanksmere's uh paddling classes when I was really just getting started with kayaking. And um, so I know that uh, you uh, are an instructor for paddling classes and stuff. And I, I know yep. that you've been doing that for quite a while too, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I've been instructing for, boy, probably, you know, between guiding and instructing for, you know, probably 20 years, I don't know, I've lost track at this point, you know, <laughs> at least at least 20 years, uh, you know, for Shanks Mare. And uh, I've, I've been teaching for a number of years for your College as well. They, they offer a paddle sports class and I've been Uh, teaching that uh, in the spring semesters for them. Uh, COVID's thrown a little bit of a hitch in that as well. But um, yeah, you know, like I said, kayaking and being on the water has been literally my entire life. Um, And in fact, I came into kayak fishing kind of probably the other direction from what most kayak anglers do as well. You know, I'd say it's fair to say that most kayak anglers were probably fishing first anglers first and then you know came to kayaking as a tool to get out there on the water i was very much the opposite and i i had probably 30 years of paddling experience under my belt before i picked up a fishing rod um and and that's a little bit odd too because I, i grew up with the river as my front yard and I didn't fish, you know, I was, I was on the water boating, I was on the water paddling, windsurfing, sailing, you know, all that stuff. But fishing was just not something I, I got into. Um, it was probably, I think around 2014 was when I first started okay. fishing. And, and that was in direct correlation with kayak fishing. You know, I I, I didn't, I, I can't say I've really fished off the bank a whole lot ever. <laughs> you know, It's pretty much always been on a kayak because that was the you know, the tool that I had readily available to me.
2: Interesting. Interesting. If It makes you feel any better. I pretty much grew up about a quarter mile up or Run road from the shop there. And I didn't fish or go on the river at all until probably around the time you started fishing, you know, 2014. Yeah. Um, I think I got my first kayak, uh, 2015, 2016 and I bought my KUSA from you guys the next year. Um, and, uh, so really I, Didn't even, you know, even living that close to the river for whatever reason, my stepdad, you know, worked a lot and I just never had not knew anybody who went out there. And now I always, you know, that's one of my biggest regrets is I'm like, imagine how good I could be if I would have started when I was much younger, you know, living that close. I had this awesome, uh, beautiful place and I I never went there. So, um, I mean, my bus drove by it every single day and I remember looking out on it, but never once really thought about fishing or anything like that and and now it's pretty much all i can think about you know right right when when can i get out there again
3: yeah i mean i i'd say i was fortunate in that i already had the paddling you know part of it well under control by the time i started kayak fishing so i really had to just learn fishing you know and and certainly there's there's techniques specific to kayak fishing but um you know i didn't have to worry too much about the paddling end of it i but and I had to learn everything from tying a lure to, you know, uh, you know, how to cast and and everything in between. Um, so, yeah, that was where my, you know, learning curve was. But, yeah, same deal when I got into it. I mean, I spent probably the first five years kayak fishing, like, out every morning before work that I had an opportunity to, you know, just getting squeezing in any amount of time, you know, on the water fishing as I possibly could. Um, you know, and I, it, for me, I'm on the water all the time. I'm paddling all the time. Um, but I don't get a whole lot of big stretches of time to go out kayak fishing, you know? So while I, I might have a stretch where I'm on the water, you know, three days a week, it might only be for an hour at a time, you know, right. it it's squeeze it in where I can kind of thing. So I
2: know uh, as the summer progresses, a lot of times when I see you in the shop, you definitely have the the sunglass line and Mm -hmm. you can tell you spent some spent quite a few hours out there uh, on the water. But uh, and and that's interesting because a lot of I think a lot of uh, kayak anglers definitely lack the paddling skills. You know, that's something that a lot of people just take for granted. Oh, well I I can paddle, you know, I, I just need to get a paddle in my hands and I'll be able to go where I want and do what I want. But there really is a lot of technique stuff. And, and like, I remember when you, you taught in the classes and stuff, uh, uh, energy conservation, and and it makes a difference if, you're, if your paddle strokes are fluid. And uh, at the end of the day, you're, you're not going to be as wiped out as if you're, right. you know, not paddling efficiently uh, all day versus if someone who knows what they're doing, you know, that, that takes a lot out of the equation of how much energy you expend just getting to the spots that you want to fish.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, being a strong paddler is just more th- is, you know, certainly physical strength plays a plays a part in it, but it's so much more than that, too. It's technique. It's, as you said, how fluid and smooth can you be? You know, if you're just hacking away at the surface of the water, you're not getting anywhere, you know, so somebody that's not nearly as strong as you. But with good technique, you know they can be efficient. You know, I would say efficiency and speed in a kayak are basically the same thing. You know, if you're a strong paddler, you can make it go fast. If you're not a very strong paddler, but you have efficiency, you're you're still traveling that same distance. So, um, y- you know, technique is a huge part of it um, for for sure.
2: So I wanted to you know, just give a shout out for that. Like if if the listeners who are uh, who might not be the most proficient paddlers. Even the even if you've already been paddling for a while, uh, don't be shy about reaching out to your local outfitter and seeing what classes they have. Because I, I feel like that class made a, a big difference in, in in my paddling. And also the others, the safety kind of things that we went over too, like uh, exiting your kayak and getting back in. Yep. You know, I uh, we preach that on this show a lot. Is when you first get a new kayak, make sure that you can get out and get back in if you fall out. You know. Practice that. Don't just take it for granted because sometimes it's definitely not easy, and um, especially when you're not prepared for it. Like I, I did it uh, when I was prepared for it, and it was still not super easy to do. Um, I, I was able to do it, and it was fine. But imagine when you throw into the equation that you're you're surprised, or you're scared, or yep. you know you know when you're worried, and and it, it can make things that would normally be not too hard for you that much more difficult. And then you throw other things into the equation, like cold water or something like that. Yeah. And it really, it's definitely something you wanna practice uh, to make sure that you're, you're fortunate or you're able to do uh, to get back in because it's really not a matter of if you're gonna flip, it's when you're gonna flip. Cause yeah, pretty much everybody, if you paddle long enough or you're out on the water enough, it's, it's gonna happen to you at some point.
3: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you, you covered it, you know, for sure. It, it's when you flip. Uh, you know, as silly, as silly as it sounds, you know, practicing falling out of your boat is important. The more you do it, you know, the more comfortable you'll be with it. Then when it is that emergency situation, you're taking that element of surprise out of it. Certainly there's going to be other variables, like you said, water temperature, current, you know, all those issues. But if you're used to it and comfortable with it, it's just another swim, <laughs> you know, at, yeah. at that point. Um, you know, I, a story that I share with with my classes, I had a young lady a, a number of years ago that Um, we were talking about how important PFDs are to wear. And, and, you know, she asked if you always have to wear a PFD and I'm a huge proponent of, of just always wearing it. It doesn't work unless you have it on. And I noticed she had a t-shirt on that said open ocean masterclass. So she was a very good swimmer. And I asked her, I said, you know, you, you swim ocean open ocean. And yeah, I do. And I said, okay, can you do that if you hit your head on a rock? And she said, no, point taken, you know, it's uh, so it doesn't matter how good of a swimmer you are, or how experienced of a paddler you are. You know, there's always that what if, you know, and you need to be prepared for that for sure. Absolutely. And, and
2: just doing this show, I've heard enough scary stories. Uh, my old co-host uh, fell out of his kayak and in and, and a strainer and, and got kind of stuck. And his, you know, PFD is kind of what saved him. We've heard it time and time again. So it's definitely something we re-preach on this show always, always, always wear your PFD. And, you know, um, you know, if, if you don't feel like you have one that's comfortable enough, look, or go, go try them on, um, find one there. There are comfortable ones out there, you know, they're, they don't, They're not all like the big old clunky ones we used to have to wear as a kid where those bright orange rectangle ones that your head just basically pops through. There's definitely much more comfortable options out there. um, And, and it it literally can save your life. So, uh, you know, we always say we want everyone to get home safe to their family. So, if you know just that little bit of added protection and security is what gets you there it's definitely worth it so yeah
3: yeah and i tell anglers all the time you know think of your pfd especially if you're buying a a kayak fishing specific pfd which there's a lot of really good ones out there think of your pfd as much as a tool you know as a safety device you know it's where you're you're going to put your tools you're going to put you know tackle you're going to put um, you know, there's additional things that you need handy and on you. So if you if you count on it as much of a tool, it'll also be there when you need it as that safety device as well. So
2: That's a good point. That's where my phone goes. That's where my line cutters go. So yep. I definitely. Oh, my poster down. Yeah.
3: All right, man.
2: Well, cool. That's, I think that's a pretty good intro. You, you definitely. Uh, I always like to cover my guest um, experience and stuff, so they know I just didn't pull someone out of the weeds. Sure. But, <laughs> <yeah>. uh, <laughs> I think we've uh, covered that pretty well. But the main thing I wanted to talk to you, and the reason why I on uh, we have a, a noobs tournament page where um, people who are new can come and ask questions, and I, I threw a question out there and said, if you have a topic that you'd like me to cover, um, let me know. And one of the guys mentioned uh, about kayak positioning and paddling as it relates to angling. And um, so that was one of the reasons why I reached out to Devin, because I was trying to think of somebody I knew. I, I talked to Jeff Little about it, and uh, I know he he's really good uh, yep, with that. Yep. And um, But uh, I, we had just had him on not too long ago, so I'm like, I, you know what? I think Devin would be a good guest for that. So I wanted to kind of uh, jump into that topic with you and kind of see where we go. So I know um, – as it relates to angling kayak positioning can be something really important. It really, it can make a difference between whether you catch a fish out of a certain area or uh, you know, I know when I first started fishing, there were so many times where I was fishing what I thought was what looked like really fishy areas, you know, whether it was a, a ledge or, or a riffle or, or something like that. And I'm like, I can't believe there's no fish here. And I just wasn't catching fish. And it wasn't until I learned uh, you know, The proper angles for kind of attacking those things that I started being productive in my fishing and and started realizing, oh, yeah, there was fish the whole time. I was just not presenting my lure in a way that made them want to eat it. So um, when you first started learning, what was like the first thing that you kind of had to learn with that? I I wanted to see if it kind of parallels what I what my learning experience was like.
3: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, from the fishing end of it, it's, it. you know, I'm very much prefer river fishing. Um, you know, I, I do fish lakes occasionally. I, I have done some inshore stuff in Florida in salt water and saltwater. And, uh, you know, while there are some similarities there to river fishing, you know, river's still my, literally my front yard. It's where I go when I have, you know, that extra hour. Um, so it, 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 as far as fishing is concerned, that's what I tend to understand the, the most. Um, and you know, for me, I'm doing a lot of single access stuff. Um, and, and a lot of times on my own, cause like I said, I'm getting out there before work or whatever the case is. So I tend to launch and paddle upstream, you know, try to get upstream as far as I can, Um, You know, and that's going to be working eddies and and, you know, attaining up through any rapids that that you might come across. And and we can talk more in detail of that. Um, But I'd like to get as far upstream initially as I can, because it's hard work. You know, so it's it's, uh, you know, while you've got the energy, you get up there and then you can spend the time either working across the river. Um, which we're lucky with the Susquehanna, it's, it's huge, you know, w- you know, working across the river, you got a mile of paddling in at, you know, at that point and, and then you come, come back across. So, um, you, you know, you, you get up there early that way when you're tired and, and you've spent your time out there fishing, you can start coming back down and, you know, you're working with the current then. So it's, it's much easier. Um, you know, so typically what I'll do is I'll paddle upstream where I have calm water as much, you know, as quickly as I can and cover as much of that ground as I can. And, and some of that might be hanging close to shore, um, you know, where you're not getting into some of those stronger currents. Um, and then when you come to an eddy, which is that calm, calm water immediately below a rock or immediately below an Island, um, you know, take a break there. And that's a good time to start casting at, at that point as well. Um, you know, your, your boat will tend to stay put, uh, possibly even travel back up river a little bit in a, in an eddy, Um, and then that gives you an opportunity to cast maybe above that ledge or above that rock that you have and let your, your lure come down through as if it's, you know, any other forage that's flowing down through that current. Um, and then, like you said, you know, that fishy area, you know, hopefully right below that ledge or in, in a, you know, eddy immediately across from where you are, you might have some fish laying in there waiting for, uh, for that forage to come down through. So I, I try to find the eddies. It, it's a place that you can take the break. It's a place that you can get out and cast a little bit. Um, you know, if it is a grass bed or a, a grass Island of some sort, a lot of times I'll just nose right up on it and get out of my boat and, and kind of wait around it a little bit. You know, I spend as much time with my, my feet in the water probably as I do with the whole, my boat in the water. So, um, because I, I, am not a big into anchoring in, in moving water while there are certainly some, some good ways to do it and some, you know, safer ways to do it. Um, I, I, just tend to avoid it. You know, I, I use the river as my way of holding a position and then, um, you know, move on, you know, then I'm not, I'm not dealing with line management, you know, anchor line management and, and, you know, pulling stuff back up into the boat, I can just shove back out into the water and, and continue to paddle on. Um, So you know that's where I initially get started, and and again, Susquehanna is super easy to learn that you know skill <laughs> one because you can you can launch at a nice calm area, you can paddle up a couple hundred yards, and and typically find some moving water or ledge, and and play around in those eddies and play around casting above them and letting it come down, um, and then from there you get into you know a little more technique when it comes to ferrying across current and and trying to attain up through current. Um, it is where a lot of that paddling technique comes in, and and the strength that's needed to to do that. Strength, like I said, strength and technique are probably equal when it when it comes to those skills.
2: Okay, so um, we'll start unpacking that a little bit. Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. That I mean, that's exactly why people tune into this because uh, you know they they want to get that info. So um, you, you started out. Uh, one of the th- funny things that I always uh talk about with my guests is I totally took for granted uh listening to other people talk about river fishing. Um uh, whenever they would mention a river, I would always picture the Susquehanna, you know, mm-hmm. oh man, yeah, you have this huge mile wide river. And yep. and then I started i one of my guests, I just happened to ask him, well, how how wide is your river? And he's like, a hundred yards. I'm like yeah. what that's the mo-? he's like, and that's at the absolute widest. he's like normally it's much narrower than that. I'm like, that's not a river, that's a creek. Right, right. And uh, so, you know, I was getting a kick out of that, that uh, I took for granted for so long that, you know, not everybody's river is a mile wide. And right. Uh, you're right. We definitely are spoiled because we really like I, just from the places that I launch, there's so many different kind of water that I can fish. I can fish the deep, you know, kind of wide open areas, uh, not a lot of structure there. So I tend I kind of avoid that. Uh, right. It's definitely not my strength, but. I have ledge systems, grass islands, you know, all sorts of things. And it wasn't until uh, I really started kind of getting comfortable being out on the water that I really started, you know, kind of hitting up those areas, especially the the kind of heavier, current, rockier areas that um, when I first started paddling, I wasn't strong enough to make it up through. Right. Um, now, I, I fish out of a, a Hobie Outback right now, so I kind of get spoiled paddle or paddling around. Um, I'm definitely uh, can cover more water pedaling, but there's definitely places on the Susquehanna, especially, that I, I can't pedal. So uh, yeah. I kind of got to go back to my uh, paddling skills. And I'm probably actually probably a little more rusty than I probably should be at the moment because I spend so much time pedaling uh, around. But uh, it definitely, uh, as the summer wears on and the Susquehanna gets more shallow, yeah. there's definitely more times that I end up paddling around. Even um, when the grass starts coming up. Um, there's a lot of times where I have to pull the pedals and and just paddle through the grass because um, that's another area that I've learned to how to fish. Um, the fir- when I first started, uh, you know, fishing the grass, I really struggled because I'd get stuck and my lures would get stuck. And as I learned different techniques, uh, for not only fishing the grass, but also how to kind of paddle through it and that it pedaling just doesn't make sense because it's, it's kind of like pedaling through cement. You, yep. you can do it, but you're going to waste a lot more energy that if you just float over top of it, it's much, much easier.
3: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, when it comes to river fishing, certainly, you know, pedal drive has its advantages. You know, electric has its advantages as well. But when you're in you know pure river conditions, um, you know a paddle is probably still the you know one of the best ways to to get around. Um, you know, you can you know that's one of the beauties of of a traditional kayak is you know that that three four inches of water is manageable in in a lot of cases. Um, and and yeah, to your point of the the uh, you know Susquehanna versus the other rivers that are more creek like, you know, compared <laughs> to the Susquehanna, you know, in some cases those those rivers are going to be you know strictly a a float. You know, you're you're going to launch upstream and you're going to float downstream, um, you know, because there's just not enough spaces that you can realistically, you know, attain up through, you know, maybe you can in a, in a whitewater boat, but as we all know, fishing kayaks aren't whitewater boats. So, um, you know, trying to get up through those in in a 34 inch wide boat um, just might not be realistic. Um, So yeah, we are lucky in that standpoint in Susquehanna, you get a mile of, of uh, little shoots to choose from to try to, to paddle up through.
2: And and I've definitely had times where I've had to try quite a few shoots before I found one, that yep. was just, just slow enough that I could make it up through. Um, I'd be like, Nope, Nope, that's not happening there. Yep. And I'd just go down a little bit. um, uh, uh, w- another thing that I was going to mention is, uh, you had first introduced me to, uh, the kayak anglers of uh, PA. You know, I remember asking you, you know, where's a good place to get started. Yep. And, uh, you had mentioned them to me and, and now, uh, I'm actually on the leadership team of the kayak anglers of central PA. So, uh, you know, that happened a little quicker than I want. I was like, I'm not sure I know (laughs) enough to be on this. And they're like, no, no, you're good. So, but, um, reaching out to them, uh, and just the information that I got from them as well. Um, a, you know, finding people that will do floats with me. Cause I, like you, I was like you, I, I did a lot, so pretty much a majority of, you know, you know, going out and coming back in the same place I put in and, and it wasn't until I did my first float, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I don't have to paddle yep. back upstream. This is great. But uh, it's definitely a, a good thing to know, though. I'm, I'm glad that I had that background before I did the floats because um, it's definitely something you have to take into consideration when that's the kind of uh, fishing that you're going to do where you put in and take out at the same place. Because anywhere you get, you have to get back to that spot. Yeah. Yep. I've had a few times where uh, I remember one time I went out of uh, the Columbia area and I checked the wind before I left, and uh, it was supposed to get less windy as the morning went on. And uh, I got out on the water, and I'm like, okay, fine. I'll paddle upstream first, and uh, that way then when uh, I'm coming back down, I won't be as tired. Well, I ended up paddling upstream. Um, the wind actually picked up. It got worse. And then I got tangled. Uh, I got my uh, uh, my line tangled. with. Uh, I was trying to use an anchor chute. And I probably shouldn't have been right. Um, cause, Cause if you need to use an anchor shoot, you're probably not, not best time to be out on the water, but right. my, I, I caught a fish, it wrapped around the anchor shoot. And then I, so I pulled everything up onto my lap and I was untangling it, pulling it apart. I should have just cut the line and just, you know, went with that, but I tried to untangle it. And by the time I looked up, I had drifted way down river past where I put in. And it was all I could do to make headway going back upstream. Right? Yeah. I remember I ended up, eventually going over to the shore where it was just shallow enough that I could start making headway. And I finally got back to the ramp and my arms were so dead tired. I couldn't even lift my kayak into the truck. I, I was like, I almost called my wife. and was like, somebody has got to come and help me. Cause I, yeah. I am beat. So it's really something, you know, you definitely want to, you know, keep your eye on, but it's definitely something to, you know, to, uh, to have a good plan and to know what the weather's going to be like, but also, you know, just know what it takes to get upstream in in the areas that you're going to fish.
3: Yeah. And and to your point of, of missing a takeout, I mean, it happens, you hear it, you hear it regularly and then you have to, you know, be up for whatever you get yourself into after that, you know, maybe (laughs) it's, it's pulling out and walking back up if you're, you know, not too, too far away, but trying to paddle back up might not be realistic if you, you know, if you miss that, miss that takeout. So yeah, you, you do need to pay attention. You do need to have a game plan, you know, there and, and really pay attention to conditions because conditions, especially wind, uh, changes frequently. Um, you know, you, I've been on some floats where you're spending the whole float against the wind, and it's like I thought this was supposed to be easy. <laughs> you know, the current's supposed to take me there, and, and you end up fighting the wind the whole way down. Um, so yeah, you know, there's a lot of variables that that you need to factor in. And
2: I know um, at least on the Susquehanna, when I've been out there, you know, sometimes the wind is your friend. Um, mm-hmm and like there'll be times where the current's going downstream but the wind is coming right up river that kind of makes it nice but at the same time that whips the river up like crazy that gets it really choppy so you know then you're going to be dealing with you know white caps and that kind of thing so um it does although it doesn't just blow you down the river it also makes it for a much rougher kind of paddle so
3: yeah and and i think you know um you know, not to veer off of this, but it, you know, I think it, it leads into, um, you know, the right kind of boat for the conditions that you're in too, you know, not all kayaks are created equally and certainly not all fishing kayaks are created equally. And, you know, you have some that are pretty good all around boats for, for a lot of conditions and, and you have some that are better for maybe river conditions, you know, lake conditions and, uh, you know, having the right boat for the condition that you fish the most frequently is, is going to be important, you know? And I, I try different boats, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, to have an outfitter and we're a dealer for multiple, <laughs> multiple brands. So, you know, I've tried different boats in different conditions and there's some that, that don't work as well as others, you know, in, in certain conditions, you know, Absolutely. they, they yep. might be great in one and, and just not that good in another, <laughs> you know, and, and that goes both ways. I think back to, uh, you know, probably one, you mentioned your Cusa, you know, one of the, uh, the, in my mind, all-time best river fishing boats is, you know, the original Cusa and the and the Cusa HD. And I remember when Jackson first released the original Cusa, that was the only fishing boat in their line. And, you know, the guys were buying them up and I would have these customers come in and say, I, it paddles horrible. Well, where are you paddling it? Well, across a lake. Well, that's yep. not what it's intended to do. You know, it, <laughs> it's going to paddle horrible across that lake, but, you know, you put it in the river and it's a, it's a whole different ball game. You know, that's what it was designed for. So, um, no, ab- you know, absolutely. That
2: know, was right. my same for experience. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, and I, I started out with the wilderness systems, Tarpon 100 and it wasn't a horrible boat, but it wasn't yep. the most stable thing in the world. I jumped to the Kusa and, holy cow, the stability on that was amazing. Um, And I loved everything about it, but paddling it across Lake Redmond. You know, I felt like I remember, you know, on a really, really windy day on Lake Redmond, I'm like, I I passed a guy who was on a blue sky. And I'm like, how are you? He was like, just sitting there not moving. He wasn't anchored. And I'm like, I'm just everything constantly adjusting. And I was just getting blown up and down the, the lake that day. And and I was like, how are you not moving? And he's like, ah, oh, your boat just sits a lot higher, you know? Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess you're right. So, but you're right. It definitely is a tool. And and I think even the people, nothing against, um, you know, the, the box brand uh, or box store brand yep. kayaks, but, you know, when you take those out on the river, you, you got to really be careful of what you're doing because those aren't necessarily made uh, for the kind of impacts that you can have on the river. I mean, the, I think about the rocks in the Susquehanna and, um, you know, Mycusa and, and the Outback are, you know, I've smacked them pretty good at times. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of made to withstand that uh, to some point, um, whereas some of the, the smaller boats, the, the cheaper boats that you can get uh, definitely aren't going to hold up to an impact like that.
3: Yeah. You know, and the other big one is the haul design. You know, when I, I mentioned skills like, you know, ferrying across a cross current or trying to attain up through there's certain haul designs that are that's what they're designed for, you know, and, and they're going to take somebody that has some basic skills and, and in the right boat and they're going to do fairly well in it um, you know, where somebody that maybe is a good paddler, you know, I, I've, I've run into this where I've, I've taken a certain boat out and tried to paddle it across current. And even though I've done it, you know, a hundred times in a different boat, it almost throws me, you know, in, in a different boat. Cause the hull's just not designed for, you know, for those types of conditions. So, um, you know, equipment is a huge piece of it. And and that goes for the paddle as well, you know, a, a nice lightweight paddle that can, um, you know, that you aren't going to tire quite as quickly with and and is going to scoop a good amount of water as you're paddling up through uh, is going to be important. You know, a, a heavy, really basic, poorly designed paddle, you're you're just not going to get as far with it. You know, you, you might be a strong paddler, but you're not going to be able to stay out as long as, as, you know, with the right piece of equipment. Um,
2: We've definitely had those conversations a lot on this show too uh, and talking about, you know, finding that paddle that, you know, is the right weight, and and it, even though the ounces, it sounds like if that's all the difference it is between a one paddle to another, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about those ounces every stroke for an entire day, you know, that's where it really adds up. And 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 until you try it and see what paddling with a lighter uh, uh, paddle is like, you know, you don't really understand it. And the same with the, the the kayaks as well. And that's why you know we always joke about you know test paddling is, is, or a boat before you buy it is so important. Um, You know, I bought my first one without paddling it ever from a mail or from the online or something. And, and I wish I would have paddled it first. And um, that's why, you know, taking advantage of demo days at outfitters is is so important because, you know, uh, a boat that you think might paddle one way might be, feel completely different and completely awkward. And, you know, you know, they joke about, Oh, I bought my, my second kayak I should have bought my second kayak first and yep. uh, so many people may I think make that mistake and um uh I you know and and when I first got started I was so thrown off by the price I was like well I can't spend that and what I should have done is just saved up until I could right. you know and instead of just um kind of you know going the route that I went so that it's more like trying to help people not make the same mistakes I did
3: you yep. know. Yeah, and it's you know there's something to be said for the inexpensive boats. They they might get people into the sport that that weren't able to get into it otherwise, you know, and and that's that's a great advantage for those inexpensive boats. Uh, the disadvantage, though, is uh, you know I think a lot of people underestimate how important the boat is, you know, and if if they get out there and have a miserable time, they're not going to keep kayaking, you know. So we've lost them as as participants in the sport. Um, so yeah, it you know. They all have advantages and disadvantages as an outfitter. I'm a big proponent of people owning multiple boats, you know, a boat for for multiple conditions, Um, you know, but I get that's not realistic for, you know, for a lot of people. So you really have to think about where and how you want to use it the majority of the time and and try to find the right boat for, you know, for that situation.
2: Right, right. Well, we kind of jumped off topic a little bit there, yep. but, um, um, going back to, I know one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was, you know, your method for faring across because that is depending on the, the area, a, a very challenging thing for me, especially yep. when you, when you have a lot of flow and you're, you got to work your way across, not only across, but, you know, up as you're doing that, you know, what, what kind of tactics are, you know, uh, paddling techniques do you use for that?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're. You know, we'll say we made it to an eddy, you know, we paddled up river and, and we got into that calm water below a rock. And and like I said, when when you're in an eddy, you're going to hold still potentially even move up river because that water's circling back around and going, you know, back up towards that obstacle that's in the water. So once you've made it in there, you're in that calm spot, that kind of safe spot. But if you need to move across the river, um, you know, maybe you're trying to get to the next eddy that's 10 feet over, 20 feet over, whatever, you know, the distance is. Um, you can't just turn and paddle across the river because you're you're the side of your boat is going to hit get hit by that current and you're going to get pushed, you know, so far downstream or get flipped. You know, if you if you've got that, you know, side edge of your boat in that current, there's a high likelihood that it, it could dump you. Um, so you can't just paddle straight across, you know, perpendicular. Um, you've got to kind of work your boat out over across that eddy line, across that line into the current, keeping the bow of your boat, the front of your boat pointed, um, maybe not directly up river cause you are trying to move sideways, but maybe you're at a 45, you know, a- across the river. Um, and you're, you're paddling as much upriver strokes as you are as an emphasis of a cross river you know, strokes as, as well. Um, the other thing that's really important when you're coming, when you're ferrying, coming across that current is keeping that upriver edge up, uh, upriver edge of your kayak up, because if you dip that down, now you've got all that water building on that edge and, and that's going to, you know, at the very least push you downriver, and, you know, could likely flip you as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's getting in that calm eddy, uh, you know, looking at your line, looking at how fast that, that water is flowing. And then when you make that move to come out into the current, you're, you've got to keep that bow, that front of your boat pointed up river while you're moving, you know, sideways uh, across, like I said, about a 45 degree angle, you know, somewhere like that, um, and it's strong fluid strokes. It's knowing the depth of the water. You know, I've done it plenty of times where you're, you're trying to go up, you know, through a chute or paddle across and you go to take a big, strong stroke and you're, you know, you hit a rock, you know, and that, and that just kills your momentum right there. So, you know, you've got to be, you got to be real quick about getting those nice, strong, full strokes in the water as you're, as you're paddling through. Cause one little, you know, miss or, you know, anything like that. And you're, you're down river. You're, you're starting over again at, at that point. Um, so a lot of it is, is learning how to read the water, you know, and, and that's not only reading the waters, it's coming down through the rocks. It's reading the water in relation to your kayak and in the relation to your paddle as well. Um, you know, I always kind of tell people it's the, it's learning the the dynamic, the dynamic of how your blade interacts in the water, and and you know at what angle is your blade going to give you the most power with that stroke, um, but you know as efficiently as possible, um, you know because there's some really inefficient ways to paddle as as well, and and you're just you're you're burning your energy and you're wearing your muscles out, and and you're not going to get where you where you want to go. Um, so it, it's practice, you know, it, it's learning the water, you know, the only way you're really going to get good at it is doing it. Um, and, and, you know, start small, start in, in, you know, little calmer sections and, and work your way across. So even if you're like, Oh, that was easy, you know, do it a bunch of times, you know. Do it to the point where you're building up those that muscle memory and and you know getting that that angle figured out that that your boat is going to move across, but keep you as far upriver as as you possibly can while you're moving across. Um, you know, you don't want to get get to that next point and and totally miss the eddy. You know, you've washed so far down that you're like I said, you're not you're not in that next eddy that you're that you're trying to reach.
2: Right, right. There's a bunch of things there, I think, that are important. I think one of the biggest things, and I I know Jeff Little has talked about it, we've had Juan Verut on as well, and he's talked about it, is keeping that upriver side of your kayak high. You know, your natural tendency is to want to lean into it, you know, But that's actually the worst thing you can do because, like you said, all the water pressure then builds on that lower side and it just wants to either pull it down or, like you said, just push you down quicker. But, yeah. So you almost have to fight your instincts on that at that point and, uh, you know, keep that upriver side high uh, so that the water will go under it and actually, you you know, it'll actually be easier, even though it, it doesn't make sense in your brain all the time.
3: Yep. Yeah. And it's the same for if you're, you know, say you're floating down and you get you get pushed into a rock. And, you know, again, your natural inclination is to try to lean away from that rock. Like, oh, there's an obstacle there. I want to I want to avoid it. Um, but you get yourself in trouble because, again, you lean away from the rock. You're lowering that upriver edge into the water and and it's going to push you over. So you need to, you know, try to keep that upriver edge up. As you said, it let the water flow underneath of you. Um, and then you can work on, on sliding yourself off the rock, you know, repositioning yourself down river so you can uh, continue on. Um, and some of that just takes it happening to you, you know, you, you, you feeling that understanding the water, um, you know, as much as it's, it's, it seems unnerving to let yourself get into trouble, like controlled trouble is a good, you know, is a good <laughs> learning experience. So. And it's better to learn
2: it that way than, you know, in an emergency having to figure yep. it out for yep. sure. So. And I know one thing that Juan told me that really stuck with me, he said that if you're coming down and you're going to hit a rock, lean and put your hands on the rock. So that way you're leaning the right way. And 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 you can also kind of work yourself around that rock if you need yeah. to, you know. And yep. and because in, in my mind, that solidified the fact that I if I'm going to touch that rock, I'm going to be leaning towards it, you know.
3: Towards it, yep.
2: And um, that really helped remind myself, uh, you know, which way I should be leaning. And, you know, that, that really stuck with me when he, when he talked about that. So.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, the other thing that I do is I try to keep my paddle as handy as possible. You know, I, I'm not big for putting my paddle into a, a, you know, a paddle holder. Uh, It's typically right across my lap. Um, you know, while I'm fishing and, and, you know, if I land a fish and, and I'm in calm water, I need to retie or something like that. Then, yeah, I, I typically do have a paddle holder to, to put it in, but while I'm working that moving water, my paddles at the ready, you know, it, it, it needs to be a quick transition from putting that rod down and getting that paddle in your hand. So you can maneuver around those, those obstacles in those situations. Um, so yeah, I, I pretty much always have my paddle just land right there across my lap.
2: That was one of the things, oddly enough, that took me a while to get used to is just having it sitting there and having something mm-hmm. that I'm kind of reaching over or working around. But eventually it got to be second nature and you don't even notice it being there. But right. initially, it's a little weird just to have a big, long thing just kind of hanging out on your lap and kind of sticking out. But, uh, right. you know, the more right. you do it, the the more, like I said, second nature it gets. And then you, you don't even really think about it. It, it. It's just there to grab when you need it and uh, right.
3: that kind of thing. So.
2: I'm going to move right. around a bit
3: on you here. I need to get no. some,
2: uh, some power. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, trying to think of, um, some other, uh, topics that came up when I was thinking about this. Uh, I know, um, one of the things I was going to ask you about, so say you're, um, kind of in that calm water below an eddy, um, and you want to cast you, you, like, I know I've heard about like 45 degree casting angles and stuff where you're working around, uh, ledges or something. And, And, um, are you generally pointing straight upstream at that point and then just making your casts at those angles or, or do you, does it depend how the eddy is pushing you or, or, you know, what, what determines your kayak positioning as you're working for those casting angles?
3: Yeah, it's, um, it, can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Okay it uh you know if i'm in that in the eddy it some of it depends on how big the eddy is how much room you know you have if if it's a nice big eddy you're below a, a sizable island or something like that then i don't worry too much about it i'll i'll get my boat as close over to that eddy line as i can so i can you know cast into the current you know um as you know above the the rocks or obstacles or whatever it is and let my lure come down but if it's just a oh, single you know, if it's just a single rock that you're behind, you know, you're you've got just that tight little spot, you know, to hang out in. Um, then, yeah, typically, you know, bow straight up towards that towards that rock, um, you know, hopefully staying in that eddy as much as possible. And then I'll, you know, be casting over at a forty five, um, you know, to that moving water that's on either either side of the rock. Um, and, and like I said, there's plenty of times where I just nose my boat right up onto the rock and and get out and maybe you know, if it's shallow enough, knee deep, whatever, I'll wade, you know, a little bit, you know, or I'll, I'll, I keep a dog leash with me and, and hook my boat to me. Um, you know, so that I'm not losing it, you know, again, you gotta be careful anytime you're tethering yourself to, you know, to something or adding more ropes to it. Um, you definitely could be asking for trouble, but if it's, you know, if it's mild enough conditions and I'm just trying to keep my boat close to me, you know, I'll, I'll have a leash hook to it or, or something along those lines. Um, uh, but again, you you, you know you can't mess around with water. A lot of people underestimate the strength of it, so you don't want to put yourself in the situation where you're, you know, tying yourself to something that's gonna gonna take off on you and and you potentially cause some problems. Um, but yeah, you know, if it's a small eddy, I'll I'll just you know bow up river, um, you know, cast forty five degree angle, you know, up above that current, let it come down through, um, or if it If it's a larger area where I do have a little bit of leeway to move around, you know, work from one side of the eddy to the other, um, then it it might not be straight up river. It might be you know the boat to a bit of an angle. Just depends on how much how much eddy you have to work with.
2: I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, the waiting around the grass islands. Cause that, I usually do that most around the, the, the grass islands. Cause those are really easy just to pull right up on. And a it gives you a break from paddling and lets you stretch your legs a little bit, you yep. know? Um, um, but a lot of times there is good, pretty good fishing around those islands too, because the, the fish use it, that same calm water that we're hanging out in, uh, uh, to chill out and let bait come by them. So yep. um, don't underestimate. I, I wanted to tell the listeners don't underestimate. You know, the really good fishing that you can if you can find a, a grass island that you can pull up on. You know, take a break. You know, like I said, stretch your legs, get out, and then wait around that a little bit and, and kind of you know make a couple exploratory casts all around that island, whether you're hitting the top or bottom. You know, I think that's definitely a good tip too. And that's just let me recoup my energy. You know, there's all sorts of, you know, good benefits I think from, from doing that.
3: Yeah. I mean, and the reality is, is a lot of times when those grass islands, you're going to cover more water by walking around them than you are trying to paddle around and position yourself, you know, as much as we're out there to kayak fish, you know, at at that point, the kayak is the the mode of transportation to get you to that fishing spot. So um, I, I get out, frequently like you said stretching your legs if it's a nice hot summer day just waiting around, around in the water feels good you know get yourself wet um you know take care of whatever you need to take care of while you've got <laughs> yeah. them done for you <laughs> and, and uh, um, <laughs> you know, then you can hop back in your boat and move on to the next next spot from there so.
2: uh one of the other things i wanted to mention about eddies too is uh and jeff little had covered this uh i think the last time we had him on is as you're approaching an eddy, if you're coming from downstream upstream he always talks about fishing the tail end of the eddy first before you get actually up into it, it. Mm-hmm. because some fish, you know, it, even though it seems like, Oh, you're looking right at that ledge and you're like, Oh, the fish is hiding right behind that rock. But that eddy um, continues downstream for quite a way sometimes depending on the size of it. And sometimes they don't hang out right by the rock. Sometimes they hang out way back at the end of the eddy where kind of the, the, the tail ends of the current wrap around and it kind of makes a point there at the bottom. And a lot of um, fish, um, hang out there and that was definitely one of the things that i overlooked uh for a long time was you know to fish the bottom of the eddies first as I was coming up because if you go up right up to into that eddy and hang out you might be sitting over top a lot of the fish that you could be catching yeah so
3: yeah yeah i mean that eddy is a is a fishing spot you know so it's a it's a sp- place to position your kayak but you know you, you don't want to scare the you know you're you're out there to try to catch fish so you don't want to scare the fish out of that eddy just so that you can get up there and position your boat and maybe try to catch other fish, you know? So yeah, very good point, you know, cast, you know, throw a couple casts into that before you paddle up into it. Um, You know, sometimes it's just not an option, you know, depending on how much the current is, is flowing, how, you know, frequent or infrequent those eddies are, you know, where you're, where you're fishing, you know, you might just need to, to get there and, and take, you know safe harbor at at that point but yeah if you've got the opportunity to cast into the area that you're going to be going in and sitting in yeah why not you know don't you know see if there's a fish there before you scare it out
2: yeah no right um all right uh i think that's pretty much all the things i could think to cover is there anything else when you're thinking about kayak positioning and and paddling and current like that that you feel like a beginner should know or at least have an idea about
3: yeah, I mean, I think you know I've I've already mentioned it, but I think you know getting out there and experiencing it is is really the best way. Ideally, if you can get out there with with people that have already experienced it, um, you know, that can help you out. Uh, you know, like I said, it you can get yourself into trouble. So having some more experienced paddlers with you, whether it's people you've met through groups like Kayak Anglers or you know a lot of the other groups that are out there now um, you know, taking a lesson, you know, working with a, a guide who is, you know, experienced for those first couple times can, can, can go a long way. Um, but you know, firsthand experience is, is really the best way to learn it. You know, you can watch YouTube videos, we can, we can talk about it. Um, you know, but until you actually try it, um, you know, you, it's kind of hard to wrap your, wrap your head around.
2: I, that's definitely a good thing. I, and I, I totally overlooked that, but the difference that it makes going out with people who know what they're doing. Uh, I, I spent a lot of struggling hours that were kind of not necessarily wasted because I did learn some Mm -hmm. things, you know, time on the water is, is good. You know, I'm pretty much learned something every time I go out, but there was definitely things that I did wrong or inefficiently a lot that had I gone out with someone who may have, you know, already made those mistakes or just knew better uh, and could have saved me a lot of headaches. So I think that's a great tip is, is, you know, finding people, you know, just, you know, do some research and, and, or go to your local paddle sport or paddle shop and ask them, you know, what groups are around or like, who do you recommend? Or, you know, just kind of, you know, have those conversations and, and find those people that you can go out with. Um, because like I said, it's, it's fun because, you know, you, you get to, you get some camaraderie. That's why I like kayak Agglers so much. You know, they're all good guys and girls and willing to share information. I, that was one of the biggest things I always joke about is I was so intimidated um, that they're going to be like, Oh, look at this guy. You know, he doesn't know what the heck he's doing. I don't want him tagging along with me, but it was not like that at all. It was exact opposite of that. Actually they were you know, so willing to help me and to, you know, take me under their wing and and kind of teach me. And, you know, I, I wish I would have done it so much sooner because uh, it was kind of once I saw what it was like, I was like, it was silly for me not to do this. So.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's very important, you know, as a community to take people under your wing and and show them the rope, show them the safety aspect of it. Um, because the last thing any of us want is for somebody to get out there and get in trouble and heaven forbid someone else. Um, you know, not only is that horrible for you know that person and their family, um, but it gives the it gives the sport and it gives the body of water a bad you know name as well. So it's not to any of our advantage to just, you know, blow people off and say, ah, go figure it out. You know, I, I think as a community, we need to work together to make sure people get out there, they enjoy it, they're safe about it. And, you know, hopefully it's something they're going to stick with for years to come. So.
2: Absolutely. It's only going to help grow the sport. And, you know, if you're a fan of the sport, you know, you pretty much want it to grow. So anything we yep. can do to, to make that happen is definitely good. So, all right, man. Well, um, we're getting on close to an hour. So uh, if you're okay, we can kind of start wrapping it up, I wanted to give you an option to shout out, uh, you know, Shanks mayor and, you know, let the folks know where they can, find uh Shanksmere online i mean you guys got a ton of great stuff um i know you, you you're, are you still doing jackson or i know you have crescent um what other kind of boats do you guys uh, yeah you know? yeah
3: we we didn't end up with jackson this year again production shortages have have really thrown kind of a you know a, <laughs> some issues into the mix there but um yeah we are technically a jackson dealer um uh recently we've been doing a lot with crescent kayaks they're again making some great river boats as, as well um you know so that's been a good line for us Bonafide um uh native in terms of fishing Bonafide native um we have done kaku on and off over the years they make a good you know they make a good solid boat as well um can i get
2: here you guys you had lightnings
3: yeah, we've got we've got some lightnings in, you know, in terms of the pedal drive boats. Uh, you know, other pedal drive would be the the new Bonafide P127. Um, I have you
2: know, a buddy cool. who just bought one from the and he, from you guys, and he loves it. I, I have yet Good. to paddle it though. I mean, I'm kind yeah. of interested to try that.
3: Um, but yeah, in terms of, of fishing lineup, it, it's really Crescent Bonafide. Um, you know, like I said, hit or miss with with Kaku. If if we can get them, we we do. If we can't, we don't. Um, and you know, Jackson, I'd I'd love to get you know some jacksons back into the mix we'll see what you know the next couple seasons hold um but yeah lightning um i'm trying we're a bunch of lines that aren't necessarily kayaking you know related as as well but um you know those are those are some of the main ones there for sure
2: and then um, you, you you do a lot of apparel and uh, other stuff as well. I know you, had, you guys are a big proponent of the Go Play Outside.
3: Um, yep. Yeah, Go Play Outside is our brand. Um, so, you know, in terms of finding our stuff, uh, Shanks Mare is on Facebook and Instagram, uh, as well as Go Play Outside Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, I believe it's on Instagram at Shanks Mare Outfitters, uh, Go Play Outside Apparel. Um, and then it's, you know, go play outside apparel on Facebook and shanks mayor on Facebook as well. So you can definitely check out stuff that way, as well as uh, websites Shanksmayor.com, uh go play um, So yeah, you know, you can you can find us in those various places. Um, the go play outside apparel obviously go play outside is is a a lifestyle as much as a a apparel brand for us um and all a percentage of all the sales go back to the river keeper as as well so again you're supporting that clean water and those healthy fisheries with with that as well
2: awesome awesome Uh, and um listeners if you uh did not get didn't catch those links i will make sure i include them in the show notes as well so if you uh uh hop on youtube or you know wherever you listen to this podcast and check out the show notes i'll have links uh to shanks mayor and go play outside um and all the social media as well so if you didn't get a chance to write those down or listening um definitely check out the show notes and you can find it there so all right Devin. well uh again thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your knowledge with us uh definitely if you're in the uh the area go check out shanks mayor it's a really cool store Uh, it's, it's kind of a home away from home for me. I like to go check out the, every now and then I was going to ask you, do you guys know when you're getting the sholey in for Crescent?
3: Yeah. So, uh, Crescent is, is making as big of a push as they possibly can to have them released by May 24th. But, uh, we did just get an email the other day that, it may be a week or two, you know, beyond that potentially, but, but yeah, they're, they're trying to do it as, uh, efficiently and fairly as possible. Every dealer is going to you know, have an opportunity to get their hands on some of the shoalies. And I'm, I'm certainly excited to, to see it and give it a paddle as well. So
2: same here, man. That's one I've been waiting, uh, from the time we talked to uh, Drew into spilling a little bit of his juice about what was coming and he didn't give us much at all, but it was enough to definitely make me interested in, uh, and uh at least trying it and getting out there and and paddling and see what it was like so i'm i'm super looking forward to that too and when you guys get it in i will definitely be there to to check it out hopefully so
3: yeah yeah i'm a big fan of all of drew's past designs and i'm i'm fully expecting this to be uh as as good or better than than any of the others so i'm i'm right there with you i'm excited to see it too
2: All right, man. Well, again, thank you so much uh, for coming on and sharing your knowledge with the folks. And uh, I hope uh, you listeners can definitely pick up some some safe paddling techniques and, and ways to just be more efficient and when you're out on the water. I think it's going to make a big deal, and it's going to help you catch more fish, fish longer. That uh, you know, there's kind of just a ton of benefits from from learning that aspect of padd- or uh, of kayak angling. So, uh, thank you so much, man.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: All right, guys, uh, this has been the Bass Fishing for news segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Fin. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin.